Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Uh, We are in the middle of this series. All we've been doing all summer for the last eight weeks is let's learn from Jesus. Not only is he a our Savior. He's, I think, the greatest leader this world has ever known. The Bible says he wants us to have life and life to the full, life to the full. So if you just listen to Jesus and do what he tells you to do, your life will be impacted even if you don't believe in him. If you would just listen to the words he says, he's full of wisdom. It, it will change your life forever. So last week we talked about the implications of worry and how biblically worry is a, is a what? You guys remember? I just said it. Let's see if you were listening. Worry is a waste. I told you last week, I said, I feel confident in preaching on worry. I feel like I don't, as much as some people maybe, or maybe as I could, I don't struggle with worry as much as maybe some people. So I feel confident in preaching on that. This week, I don't feel as confident. I'm going to be honest with you. The thing that I'm going to preach on, I've never spoken on before, and maybe I've never spoken on it because I'm not good at it. In fact, I told Leah, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about the sermon. I say, hey, I'm going to go towards this. This is kind of next in the Bible. I'm going to preach on this. And she said, why? Would you preach on that? And so, listen, I'm going to tell you biblically, you have to remember, when I preach, I'm a work in progress just like you. And so I'm very rarely ever preaching to you as if something that I've learned. I'm usually learning with you. And so what we're going to talk about today, we are all learning together. Some of you are saying, no, I already know everything. I get it all. Lean forward to this sermon. This one's for you, right? And so, and what I'm going to talk to you about today, statistically, only between 10 to 15% of people actually are good at so, so most of us, if, if we're, we're, we're bad at this. And let me just kind of show you how this plays out. And so I am the type of person that other people bother me. Anybody else? <laughs> Raise your hand. Okay, I knew you're the second service, super holy, right? Like, <laughs> right? First service, ask them to raise their hand. They pull a muscle, right? They didn't stretch yet. And so, right? Third service, I knew you guys would preach of me. People get on my nerves. And they have my entire life. Somebody say, I know you're a pastor. I know. I love people, but it doesn't mean I like them all the time. You know what I'm saying? They get on my nerves. And here's why they get on my nerves. Most people don't do things the way I want them to do them. Right? I hate mouth breathers. You know what I'm saying? You have a nose. I have a deviated septum. Get it fixed, right? You ever sit around and say, you're like, right? Anybody else? I don't like mouth breathers. I, uh, I don't like loud eaters at all. I hate apples. I hate listening to people eat apples. You cannot eat an apple in a non-offensive way. In fact, I outlawed them at Journey Church office for some time, right? My wife told me, you can't do that. I can't put that in the, pl- in the employee man, you know, handbook. You'll get sued. So we brought them back, right? But apples drive me crazy. I hate going to the movies. The reason I hate going to the movies is because other people are there. Right, you give, them, you give them food, you give them the two loudest things in the world, a, a, a straw and a cup, right, where they're, right, and popcorn, right? Take it even farther, go to the movie tavern where a waiter or waitress is walking around taking people's orders in the middle of the movie, right? Everybody gets on my nerves when I go to, 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 the, to the movies, right? My wife, she has a Stanley Cup. Anybody's wife have a Stanley Cup? I've seen some dudes start having Stanley Cups. Now, that's too much, bro. <laughs> It's too much. It's went past being normal, right? And so she has a Stanley Cup, and she unscrews the Stanley Cup all the time, and she puts little ice cubes in it. Our refrigerator has two types of ice cubes, and uh, I'm thinking about selling it. And so and she fills, she fills her cup with ice in it, and she unscrews the cap, and as we're driving, she chews ice. It drives me crazy. She'll turn and, what? And I'm like, we can't. We can't do this, right? Like, we're in a car right now. My kids don't do things the way I want them to do them. In general, people annoy me. Anybody else? And here's why people annoy me. Because I have very little self-awareness. Everybody annoys me because if I'm honest, I struggle in self-awareness. My wife and my kids have gotten me to see this, right? Because like there's things that get on my nerves 
that if you ask them, they, I do as well. Like, so I don't eat apples that much. I don't like them. I love bananas. My middle son, Lincoln, will tell me, when you eat a banana, they can hear the smacking of your lips <laughs> in China. <laughs> right? Not me. I don't make noise, right? I, 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 apparently, I, in my 40s, I started snoring, right? And snoring. And so my wife will tell me, you snore. What will I say to my wife? I don't snore. You're hearing things, right? A few, few months ago, we went home on a Sunday. We go take a nap, right? And, and, and I'm dozing off. And she'll say, you snore so much, you wake yourself up. That's how you know you're old, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Ever do that? And so I, I guess we're in the bed. We're talking. I fall asleep. And I'm snoring. And I wake myself up. And she's looking at me. And she was like, yeah, you're doing it. I'm like, what? She was like, you're snoring again. I'm like, I'm not snoring. She pulled out her phone. She was recording me. She pushed play. And she said, do you snore? And I was like, this is really evil of you, Leah. This is evil, right? And here, I have a serious lack of self-awareness. It's actually selfishness. I'm very hard on other people. And I'm very easy on myself. A lack of self-awareness. 85% of people are not growing in their awareness of themselves. And before you, you miss this, this is why, like, sometimes you hear the word self, and as a longtime Christian, they go, here we go, you're going to talk about self-centeredness. Listen, self-awareness is anything other than self-centeredness. Because the more self-aware you become, the more patient you become. Did you know that? The more kind you become. The more generous you become. The more giving you become, the more charitable you become, the more empathetic you become. You begin to see people differently because you see yourself differently. And before some of you argue and say, I don't struggle with self-awareness, let me just give you a test I took that I failed this week. I literally failed every question on the test. That's when I knew I had a problem. Right? Here's the, here's the test. Number one, you struggle with self-awareness if you think you've earned all your success. If you are like, I'm a self-made man, a self-made woman, that's the dumbest thing you could ever say. Somebody somewhere took a chance on you. Do you know that? Somebody somewhere saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself. There's no such thing as a self-made person. You lack self-awareness. You play the victim whenever you receive any negative feedback. Every time somebody comes to you and says, hey, you should work on that, you're like, you should work on that. <laughs> right? You pull out a Bible verse. You don't even know the Bible. The Bible says, don't judge, lest you be judged. Don't cast the first stone. Where's that located at? Nebuchadnezzarick, right? Somewhere in the Bible. You pull it out, right? Jesus drew people. You don't ever receive any. Nobody is allowed to give you negative feedback. You find it difficult. Here's a phrase that I find difficult to say. Here's a comment. You find it difficult to say the phrase, I don't know. If, if I'm in the middle of a conversation and I don't know, I'll leave the conversation, pretend I have to go to the bathroom, go on my phone, Google it, and come back to make sure I know what they're talking about. I don't remember ever telling my kids the phrase, I don't know. I always know everything, right? I know everything, right? right? You find it, you find it, uh, you have a compulsive need to control everything in your life. You never change your, here's a good one. You never change your mind about anything. You figured out life a long time ago. You are 43, Right, you'll get on to your teenagers. You're 15 years old. What do you know? I'm going to remind you, you are 40, right? You're 50. What do you know? Right? You, you'll know everything. You never change. You tend to be very negative and critical. Every person in Philadelphia. <laughs> I love this one because this is, this is a real problem for me. You go out of your way to prove you are right. You ever been right in a conversation but the person thought you were wrong? And you should let it be but you can't? Like you have to be right, if you're not sure you're right, you're, hey, Siri, what is this, this, this? Hey, they, Siri said it. You're wrong. <laughs> let, me give you, let me give you another one. The only real weakness that you have in your life is that you have no weaknesses. <laughs> you might struggle with self-awareness. Jesus was part of a culture like this. And here's, here's, what, here's why you preach this in church. Because what I found is church people, this is one of their greatest weaknesses. The more religious you get, the, the longer you attend church, you, you tend to lose 
your self-awareness. You tend to forget where, where you came from. You tend to forget what God has done in, in your life. You tend to start seeing the wrongs of everybody else. It gets a lot easier to be critical and nitpicky. And you even see this in the culture at Jesus' time. The very religious people lack self-awareness. Watch what the Bible says. Two men, Luke 18, went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, one a tax collector. The worst of the worst tax collector, the best of the best a Pharisee. Two guys. They both go to pray, right? Watch what the Pharisee says. The Pharisee stands by himself and prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people. The robbers, the evildoers, and the adulterers are even like that tax collector. You ever notice you do that? You lack self-awareness. I'm not that bad, right? At least I'm better than Hitler. That's what we do. I'm not, I'm not a bad person. You figure out whoever the worst person in your life is, you compare yourself to them, you look like you got, you know, you're perfect. He says, God, thank you that I'm better than all these bad people, especially that tax collector. He says, I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector was different. The tax collector stands at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but instead he beats his chest, and he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, some of you Bible people, and you're like, well, the Bible says not to judge there, but in other parts of the scriptures, the Bible says to judge people by their fruits, and so what do we do in this situation? Because I feel like my gift is judging. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, you ever meet somebody? I feel like I've been on the earth tell people what they did wrong, right? I'm like a professional Google reviewer, Right? Sometimes when people give us truth, I'm like, I love to meet this person, right? Like a professional reviewer. I, I criticize and I critique everywhere I go. And the Bible says something about judging people by their fruit. And so I just call fruit, fruit, right? I call a duck, a duck, and that's my job. And here's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, yes, in the church from time to time, somebody needs to come into your life and hold you accountable. And somebody needs to be able to point things out to you. But most of us in the church are in no shape whatsoever to be judging other people because we lack self-awareness. Remember when Dr. Phil was relevant? Remember that? Like years ago. Dr. Phil come off the wave. Oprah was at her like, top. And then Dr. Phil came from Oprah. And Dr. Phil went on this weight loss journey. I don't remember what he used to lose weight, but he lost a bunch of weight. He became an expert not only on your physical or your mental mind, but your physical state. You remember that? He started talking to people about losing weight and all this stuff. Some of you don't even remember who Dr. Phil is, right? Looking on TikTok right now. And so, right, and Dr. Phil started mouthing off. And so one of my favorite basketball players growing up was Charles Barkley, obviously. I love Charles Barkley because Charles Barkley was good, but he also just said the truth. He has never been afraid to say, this is the truth or this is my opinion. You can take it for whatever it is. He's never been afraid of people. And I remember distinctly in the, in the, in the middle of the 2000s, Dr. Phil when I started talking about weight loss and started talking. I don't know how he got in a conversation with Charles Barkley about needing to lose weight and all this stuff. And Charles Barkley looked at Dr. Phil. I'm not sure if there was a one-on-one -on -one conversation. He looked into the camera and they were kind of laughing about how he needed to lose weight. And Charles Barkley said this. He said, Dr. Phil should not be telling anybody about losing weight because Dr. Phil's still fat. And I was like, yes, he is. He's American skinny, but he's still fat. <laughs> and I just, I just need to be reminded of that sometimes. Who are you to be walking around telling everybody what they're doing wrong when you have zero self-awareness? So Jesus knew this. And he tried to teach them, okay, here's how you get in the shape of self-awareness. Here's how you can mold yourself into a person who's spiritually Self-aware, which by the way, when you're self-aware, it will approve every relationship that you have. Some of you have uh, um, ten, uh, a tense relationship with a spouse, with a teenager, with, with a loved one in your life, and you don't understand why, and it's because you lack zero self-awareness. Like you, you haven't, you forget, you forget what it was like. I'm thinking of me and my teenagers because, oh my gosh, they drive me crazy. And you forget what it's like to be a teenager and you lack self-awareness in yourself. And so it creates a tense relationship between you and them because you forget what God brought you through. And you forget what it feels like to be walking through that season of their life. You have a very hard time with admitting that you're, you're wrong. You have a hard time saying, I don't know everything. 
It'll heal your relationship. Some of you run a business. It'll heal your business. Some of you are running schools. It'll heal the school that you're in. It creates, it creates a, a, a closeness in every relationship that you have if you can develop self-awareness. Let me show you what Jesus taught. Watch what he, what he taught in Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount. We've been here for a while. Matthew 7, verse number 1, he says, Do not judge or you will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Then he goes into the shape, right? Here's, here's, he tries to break it down for us. You spend all this time looking at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, and you pay very little attention to the plank in your own eye. You're looking outward, but you're not seeing what you need to work on. You're seeing what everybody else needs to work on. How can you say to your brother, and let me help you with that speck in your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, he says. That's a powerful word. First, Take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see more clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. Let me just give you a few thoughts on the shape of self-awareness. Number one, it always starts with sincerity. There's an argument at church today. I want to say that word sincerity, but it's sincerity. But I'm the preacher, so I'm going to say sincerity. I refuse to be wrong because I lack self-awareness. It always starts with a posture of being sincere. Always. I want to give you some statements you can say that is going to be freeing to you. Ready? I started saying these to myself this week because I lack self-awareness and they made me feel better. Because it starts to help me to walk in truth. Here, here's the first one. I'm going to say it, then you, then you repeat after me. Here's the first one. Ready? I don't know everything. Go ahead, say it. I don't Look at your spouse and say it. Why you get quiet? Why'd you get quiet? Some of you have a kid sitting beside you. Some of you have a kid sitting beside you. Just look at them and say, I don't know everything. Some of you say, that's not the problem. It's that they think they know everything. Well, they are just a reflection on the parent. We're always blaming our kids for everything. Why you act like that? Because they've been living with you for 16 years. Right? So I'm like, why you talk like that to each other? Dad, right? I don't know. Say, say it like you mean it. Ready? I don't know everything. Go. Don't that feel good? Look, 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 look. I'm the pastor. I got Bible, 66 books, over 1,000 pages, New Testament, Old Testament. There's things I read in there. Do not ask me about. I don't know everything. I can Google got questions on the biblical theology page that I got but I'm just going to give you the answer to somebody else that doesn't know everything. That's why I love when Christians start trying to interpret Revelation. You know what I'm talking about? I've been, I've been, been interpreting Revelation since 1980. It's been 43 years. We're still interpreting it. Somebody's still saying it's ending. Somebody's still saying it's coming. Somebody's still saying, you know, you know protect, your, protect your family. Get your clothes in order. You might lose your clothes. What does it matter what you're wearing today? In case of rapture, you can have my clothes, right? More, more Christians need to admit to the world and to other people. More parents need to say this. More coworkers, more, more, I don't know. There's times I got to look at my staff and say what? I don't know. What do we do? I don't know. Let's pray about it. Let's make the best decision we can make. Let's draw lots, cast them, whatever we got to do, throw marbles, and let's go, right? I don't know everything. And here's another one. Ready for this one? This one feels so good. I'm not always right. Say it. Woo! Some of you need to say this to yourself. You are so convinced that you're right all the time that you're not always right. You're not always right. Here's a good one. I can learn from others. Go ahead, say it. That's a tough one. Here's another one you should remind yourself. I'm not the smartest person in the room. Go ahead, say it. Let, let, you're not the smartest person in that seat you're sitting in today. <laughs> you're not the smartest person in the room. When you walk in, it's not like, here comes Jesus with Steve, right? You can come with me, Jesus, right? 
You need to remind yourself when you're walking in, I don't know everything. I'm not always right. I'm not the smartest person in the room. I don't always have the answers. I don't have it all together. I'm not equipped to do it all by myself all the time. The shape of self-awareness always starts with a little bit of sincerity. I don't have it all together. In fact, uh, uh, Paul, the guy that wrote most of the New Testament, a lot of the New Testament letters, he has it more together than any person is ever going to have it together here. I'm thoroughly convinced. Like, it is impossible for us to spiritually get to where Paul was at in his life living in America. It's too easy. So if anybody was ever going to say, look at me. I'm going to write my autobiography and, you know, sell books and stuff like that. And let me celebrate my arrival. And I'm right pretty much all the time. And I got it going on. I am the smart. Like, Paul, listen. Spiritually, Paul was smarter than anybody in this room. That's where he's at. That's the level that he's at. And here's what he writes in Romans 12. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Now, let me just, let me, some, because here's the problem, self-awareness. You'll be like, man, I hope so-and-so's listening to this message. That's one of my favorite parts of church. I, I can only see like five, five rows back. And sometimes I'm preaching a message and I can see the person that I know this message is for. If I could add their name into the message without them actually hearing their name, I would. Like if their name was Bob, if I could, if I could say Schmob, right, <laughs> sitting in the third row and the, over here, right, and I'll preach this message and think, man, I hope they heard this message. This is for them, all this stuff, and I'll see them in the hallway, and they'll go, Pastor, that was a really great message. I hope so-and-so heard that today. And you want to shake them and say, that's for you. Some of you are so, like, you're, this is for every one of us. He says, every one of you. Watch what he says in verse number three. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment and according with, faith, with the faith God has distributed to each of you. You see, the more we lack self-awareness, the more blind we become in our personal application of God's word. We won't even see it. It always starts with sincerity. Here's the opposite of sincerity, hypocrisy. That's why he says, don't be a hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? Well, it's a Greek word for an actor back in that day that would wear masks as they change parts. You ever do that as a Christian? I'm walking into church today. I better put the happy mask on. Oh, I saw somebody at Target today. I better stop yelling at my kid and put the content mask on. They saw my Instagram post yesterday about how much I love my kid, and here I am cursing them out. <laughs> and because we're not sincere with ourselves, what do we have to do? We've got to put a fake face on. I, I, that's why I try to teach you when you come into this church. <laughs> you, you, this church is led by imperfect people that are serving a perfect God. In fact, I want to remind you something that's really important that you should say to yourself. It's freeing. Um, it'll cause more self-awareness. It'll give you more direction in life, more encouragement. You just say to yourself, I'm a work in progress. It'd be good to remember that in every, with every relationship that you have. Everybody that you come into contact with is fighting a battle that oftentimes you don't understand. You're going through things that, quite honestly, other people don't understand. And it starts in your life, self-awareness, with a deep level of sincerity. In fact, one pastor said one time, he said, people will always admire you for your strengths, but they will always connect with you through your weaknesses. I'm a work in progress. Number two, second thing, is develop then, so it starts with sincerity. I'm not, I'm not a finished product, I'm a work in progress. Is developed through significant internal study. Significant internal study. Watch what Proverbs 20 says. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. I love this visual. The purpose of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Here's what scripture is trying to tell us. We often only deal with surface level symptoms and never get to the bottom of it. When you lack self-awareness, most of the time you refuse to go into deep waters of your own life and thus spend most of the time calling out other people's surface problems. And so there's this whole thought in leadership. It's called the iceberg, leadership theory, iceberg. The iceberg, you ever see an iceberg? You look at an iceberg, great big structure, impressive, whatever, something Titanic, right? And so, so they say. And so, right, iceberg. Iceberg, you see it. 10% of, of the iceberg you see above waters. You know where the other, other 90% is? 
is beneath the waters. It's in the deep waters. Most of our life, we don't dive into self-awareness because to dive into self-awareness, we have to get off the surface level issues of our lives, which are just symptoms. And we, ask that, we have to ask the Holy Spirit and also be willing, by the way, to go into the deep waters of our lives. In fact, let me give you a Bible verse that will take you into the deep waters of your life. Psalms 139. This is a scary prayer. I challenge you this week. You want to develop self-awareness every morning that you get up, right? Every time you spend time in God's word and God's presence, go to Psalms 139 and just read these two verses. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You ever notice the majority of the time you pray, you spend praying for either things you need or people you need to get rid of. When's the last time you got rid of all that? You said, hey God, I, I, want, I want you to develop in me a deep level of self-awareness of the work that you wanna do in me. I don't wanna keep working on symptoms. I actually wanna get to the problem. I mean, think about how many times I do that. If I instantly started losing hair and it started falling up in clumps, it would be silly for me to just go to the store and get a wig. What, what should I do? Go to the doctor and figure out what's going on with me, right? Like I should figure out what's, what's, what's going on. If I'm tired all the time, what do we often do when we're tired all the time? Drink more coffee. Easy. Instead, I should go to the doctor and say, hey, can you do some inside work on me and see if my adrenals are, are, are drained? You like that's from Lee. Adrenals are drained, right? So you're like, man, he sounds smart. No, I'm not at all. Every time something's wrong with me, she's like, it's your adrenals. I don't even know what it is, but I listen. You want to get to the root of the problem. This is, this is what he's, he's saying. Search me, oh God. Look at my heart. Look at my anxious thoughts. God, pull things out of my life and lead me into to help. This is the work of somebody who wants to be self-aware. So let me just give you an example. Now, as I, I say, God, I want to go to the 90% of my life, he, he has been bringing stuff out in my life. I just started this last week, and so I'm not an expert at it, right? But he's been revealing things in my life where I'm like, okay, I got, I got to work on that. I got to do that. Some of it is not okay for me to talk to you about here because it's between me and God. Let's just leave it there, okay? Like there's things that are deep down in there. It's shark infested waters. You don't want to see that, right? So I'm just going to take you a little bit below surface and I'm just going to show you just one thing that he revealed to me this, this week. Self-awareness. So I'm a very, 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 very uh, much care about the way that I look. Anybody else? Very much. I care about my clothes. I care about my kids' clothes. I know the Bible says that God sees the inside but I think the outside is just important, if I'm honest. It's not biblical. It's a struggle. So with all that being said, I think in my life, I've put extra stress on myself and also on my kids. What do you look like? What do you, what do you, are your hair done? Your teeth brushed? Are you, are you, are you presentable? What are you wearing? Do you, if you look like that, is it a good reflection on me or bad flavor? Do that with your kids. You're embarrassing me. Did you even take a bath today? Like, do you, do, you, do you know where the soap is at? Like, can you just, and you, you have this over, over concentration on your kids. And what does it do to your kids? It creates this insecurity and this, this awareness. So I started praying, God, where did I get that from? I learned the Bible growing up. God, where did that begin? You ever, you ever have a, a, a vision from God or a moment where you go back to and you go, that's exactly where it started? So I remember being 11 years old. I was, I was 11 years old. I went to Boyertown Elementary School. And God, God, brought me back to this moment that I can see like it was yesterday because I asked him to search me. And the moment was, uh, there was a hill that led down to two basketball courts at Boardtown Elementary School. I was, in I was in sixth grade. I was probably 11 or 12 years old. And uh, it was a different time, better time. You didn't have different outfits for every, every activity. If you had gym, you just kind of wore a t-shirt and stunk and it didn't matter. Like, you're, like you wore jeans all the time. Remember if you ask a kid to wear jeans today, you act like you're sending them to a concentration camp, right? Or jeans all the time. Anybody grow up in that day? I remember wearing jeans to play baseball, and I was like Sandlot style, right? And so, like, I had jeans on. And uh, my jeans, I used to wear them out. Remember you used to buy, your mom, your mom and dad used to take you to the Lee outlet in red and get your Lee jeans? And then they get a hole in them. What, 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 what'd they do? In the 80s when you got a hole in your jeans, early 90s, what, what'd your parents do? You patched those things. What'd you do after you got a patch on them? You blew them out again. Eventually, they couldn't keep up with you, and so you have holes in your jeans. This is pre-Hollister, Abercrombie and Fitch, American Eagle. It's not style, but I'm 11. I don't care. I'm playing at the recess. I'm playing basketball. I remember the kid's name, his face, everything. First and last name. 
I thought he was my friend. We used to do stuff together, play, play sports together. I'm playing basketball. I don't know what I did to him. I don't think anything of the holes in my jeans. He yells down from the top, down, down the hill. I'm playing basketball. He goes, yo, Steve. I look up. I think he's going to tell me, nice shot. He says, what's up with your jeans and the holes in them? You loser. He said some other stuff. I don't remember what it said. I, I remember how I felt, though. I wanted to punch him. Every time I think about it, you know what I want to do? Punch him. And it was there that God said, that's where it started. That, 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 that wound is, is deep inside of your soul where you have become so, if you're not careful, so obsessed with what people think about your clothes and think that you're passing that hurt on to, to, your, to your kids. And, and as God began to reveal that to me, here's what happens. He, what, what he's able to reveal and pull out of you, he's also able through the power of his spirit to heal. And some of you are like, that's so stupid. You're talking about your holy genes? Well, I'm just giving you the PG version of my life. There's a whole lot more in my life that as I start to pray, God, search me and know me. That as I'm getting more, want to get more and more self-aware that he's doing deep, internal, not, you know, 90, de 90 feet down in the oceans of my life, work. You want to become self-aware, you got to give God access. And here's what he does. He begins to reveal God-given strengths and weaknesses and areas where you need to grow. He creates a safe environment where he can do the work in your life. Number three, it's solidified through a maturity that is willing to receive outside feedback. You want to become self-aware, first thing, you got to be, you got to say, I don't got it all together. First thing. You don't want to admit you're not perfect, you have it all together, you're always going to be self, you're, you're not going to be aware, right? Second thing, God, do a deep work inside of me because you know my, my mind, you know my heart, you've seen my life, you've seen my history, you've seen what I'm dealing with, you've seen what I'm emotionally, you know, broken in. God, can you begin that work in my life? But here's the third step, and here's where it gets really, really, really vulnerable. Like, fly down in front of 200 people vulnerable, you, you, you begin then the process of going to the people that you're closest with, the people that you trust, the people that you, 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 you love, and you begin to say to them, my bad on the acting like I know everything. I know I've probably created some distance in this relationship by things I've said and done and by my level of immaturity, but the Spirit of God is working in my life, and He's really changing me, but I want to ask you a question. Here's the question. Where do you see in my life areas that would be, would be considered blind spots? You know, the average person has 3.4 blind spots in their life. Some of you are like, I don't know my blind spot <laughs> because it's a blind spot. <laughs> it's hard to admit you have a blind, you have, you have blind spots, right? Like uh, my son's getting ready to turn 16, so you guys just going to start praying now, right? And so so we went up to Whitehall to look at a car, and you know, the rule has been save up money for a car, I'll try to match it, we'll get you a car, you get your, your permit, you'll learn how to drive in your own car, right? The motivation then to drive good is on you, because if you crash your car, it's your own car, you're not going to drive my car, right, and learn how to drive my car and bump it all up, right? And so we looked at cars, we found one in Whitehall, Pennsylvania, we put it on on Google Maps, and me and my wife drove up there to take a look at it a few weeks ago. We got on the turnpike. I drove my, I've been driving my wife for 20 years, right? And so at this point, I feel like she should trust me. Anybody else? So I'm driving my wife, and, and uh, one of the hardest things in the world for me to, to admit when I'm driving is I'm wrong. We're driving on the road. We get off the turnpike. We head off to, toward, towards uh, uh, Whitehall, Pennsylvania, we get on to 222 or whatever the road is, I don't remember what it was, and I'm getting on, and I'm speeding up, and I'm in a, I'm in a little sedan, and I'm f talking to my wife, and as I'm yielding, I'm not paying attention to anything else, and as I'm yielding, I hear, Arr! and literally this truck is flying down, didn't yield, by the way, I swerve over, and I swerve back and try to play it cool. What do you think my wife did? What are you doing? What do you think I did? I was fine. This is fine. We were fine. I saw him the whole time. I don't know if she's in here or not, but I would like to confess to my unrighteousness and sin. I 100% did not see this truck. We could have died. But by the grace of God, we didn't, right? 
I hate to admit I have a blind spot. If you want to grow in your self-awareness to the point where you get spiritually mature to the place that you're supposed to be, you have to be willing to sit with people that you love, be vulnerable, be real, and be open and ask them for feedback. In fact, it says it in Scripture. Proverbs 15 says, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Whoever heeds it. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. I'm going to tell you I have that conversation. Your kid, your spouse, somebody who works for you, somebody who's friends with you that's been friends with you for a long time. You're saying, I want to grow in my self-awareness. I want to understand who I am and I want to grow in my weak spots and my blind spots here's how the conversation starts you find somebody that I just described that's close to you first thing you do is you get a notepad first thing you get out your notepad whatever writing taking notes on your phone whatever you do and you take notes and then here's what you do you listen when you ask them this question you say what is it like to be around me That's a dangerous question because you know what it's like to be around you, but you don't know what they say it's like to be around you. You know what you've told them that it's like to be around you, but you've never received from them. What is it like to be around me? And here's what you're going to do. When they start talking, you're going to listen without defending. You ever, you ever do that? Go ahead. They start talking and you insert your big butt in there. You know what I'm talking about? You need to put your butt back on the sideline. You need to listen to what they say in this moment, right? Listen, without defending, you're going to have receptive body language in this. You know, you know what that is? You ever have a conversation with somebody? It, this happens all the time in church. You're preaching to people. They're just like, Ugh. And they're like, I didn't get anything from the Lord. I was like, yeah, because he sent it down from heaven to you. It bounced off your awful body language back up to heaven. <laughs> you ever talk to somebody and you're trying to talk to them in real and they're just, Ugh. Legs cross. Girls, if you get their leg and they just shake them like this, right? You ever do that, girls? You know what I'm talking about? They just start shaking. You're like, dude, they're pissed off. I'm going to remind you, you start talking to somebody like that. The Bible says not to give your pearls to pigs. Don't call your wife that. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Keep reading. You're going to be receptive. You're going to have good body language. You're not going to get offended. Don't you dare make them pay for the truth after they leave. You know what I'm talking about? You told me to chew, but I'm not going to talk to you for three days. Don't be offended. Be grateful. If you need to ask for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness. If you need accountability, get accountability and then get to work. You want to become self-aware. One, got to be sincere. Two, got to let the Lord take you into deep spiritual work. Three, you need some feedback from people that you trust. Number four, this is the fourth step to be, have the shape of self-awareness as we end. This is the result. It gives you a soft spirit towards others. You know what I hate about church people? We're the meanest people in the world. We can be the meanest people in the world. We can, I, I think it's funny. You can forget as you're running your race that God you know, three years ago you fell and he picked you back up and he dusted you back off and you're running your race and you start running again and God's with you and you run by somebody who just fell in their race and you kick them and laugh at them and say, you're a piece of crap, why'd you fall there? Forgetting, a couple years ago he picked you up. And what happens is because we're not self-aware, makes us hypocrites, it makes us falsely competitive with other people, we forget we're supposed to run our race, not their race makes us protect where we feel vulnerable. It makes us project something that we're not. It makes us nitpicky and critical and, and pointing down at people, the very place people should be able to come. Like when, we, when I said, I'm not a finished product. I'm a work in progress. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. Don't you think that sounds like a place, if that place is here, that more and more people that don't know Jesus should feel welcomed? Why is it that when they walk through the doors of the church, it's like, I can't go in there. Those people have it all together. I want to make a sign, right? That says like convicts, right? Adulterers, 
you know, those who struggle in this area and put your faces on it, right, as advertisement, right? Not the smiley, happy, everything's perfect pictures we project, like the mess, right, that you once were. We put it on a billboard and we say, if they can come here, you can come here too. Doesn't this that sound like a place? So that's why I love self-awareness, because what it does is it creates this environment and this community where we are fully aware of the work that God is doing and continues to do in our life. And it gives you a soft spirit. And I hate that word because it sounds so babyish. But all, all it means is it gives you this, I don't even know, this tender heart, this kind heart, this uh, empathetic heart, this patient heart towards other people that are also a work in progress. In fact, I, uh, I was studying at the end of this message. Sometimes you got to figure out how to land it, right? Like you're just, you're flying. You're like, let's land this thing. And so we're going to land it right here. And uh, I was studying. And for some reason, I went, to, I went to Hebrews 12 where the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes. So visually, you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. You ever read that verse? So my, one of my favorite verses, when it, when it talks about how he endured the cross, what it's talking about is he could see us in the future, and so he took on the shame and the pain of the cross because he could see what he would accomplish through it. So in your life, you are going to continually keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, right? If you have your eyes fixed on Jesus, you can't have your eyes fixed on everybody else all the time. And so I started thinking about this whole thing. I was like, oh, how do those, okay, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and then you have, the Bible says to pay attention to the plank in your own eye, right? And I just, I started thinking, well, how is that beneficial? How is it beneficial to not only, you know, talk about the speck in somebody else's eye, but then to spend your time focused on all of your shame and all of your mistakes and all of your regret and all the things you got to work on? Where is the spiritual benefit of that, right? Like, because you're supposed to walk in freedom. What is the benefit of that? And here, here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, okay, God, God uh, or Jesus used, used a speck and used a, a plank, right? He could have used anything. He could have said, he could have said, you know, take the, the, the garbage out of your eye. Take the crap out of your eye. He could have used anything like that. He said, take the plank. Plank, it means wood, right? Take the wood. Out of that wood is a little tiny speck. Take, take the wood. When you, when, you, when you look at that wood, what do you see? You see, you see pain, you see re regret, you see bitterness, you see mistakes. He says, I want you to pay attention to that. But the Bible says to fix your eyes on Jesus. If you pay attention to that, you'll fix your eyes on Jesus. So you're going to turn with that plank in your eye. And when you see Jesus, the Holy Spirit said, where do you see Jesus on? Anybody know? Could be said he's on two planks. So you, you take your, your constant look, okay, okay, I got all this, and you fix your eyes on Jesus, and when you see all that pain, all that regret, all that condemnation, all that sorrow, all that baggage, there you see Jesus dying for you. So when you, when you focus on that plank, you're, you're actually focusing on the person who can save you, change you, and heal you. And the more you focus on that, and the more that you fix your eyes on Jesus, what I have found is the more generous and kind and giving you are to other people because your eyes are focused. Okay, here's what Jesus did for me. You never forget it. Also what happens is you see Jesus taking that plank for you, dying for your sin, your regret, and your shame, realizing if he can do that for me, I know you have all this crap going on in your life, but instead of me pointing at you, telling you everything you're doing bad, let me tell you, I know it's bad, but Jesus, Jesus can forgive you and heal you. Jesus can set you free. Please hear me. We're not perfect people. We are fully aware. Here's what we're aware of. Now, we're sinners. I am way too aware of that. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. The Bible says Jesus came for me and died on a cross for my sins. The message is when he died, he was buried, and he rose again, that he did that for everyone, everyone, not some people, all people. The Bible says if we would see Jesus and put our faith in Jesus at that cross, we would believe in his resurrection. We will call on him, he'll, we'll be saved. No matter where we're at, no matter what we've done, if we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart in Jesus, no matter where we're at, no matter how bad it is, no matter how many mistakes we've made, no matter how many times we've, fa we've fallen off the race that he's called us to run, it'll pick us up. That if our heart's still beating, that my God still has a good plan for our lives. And the more self-aware, you see, the more self-aware, 
The more self-aware, the more grace, the more giving, the more patience. And I just think our world needs that. Over the next three years, four years, all you're going to hear is this, 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 this. As the lecture comes, this, 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 this. I, I, I just, if I'm the, of the belief that the world does not need a church that's standing on the righteousness right now. Separating themselves. The, the world needs a church that's willing to get their hands dirty. The world needs a church that sees the poten- same potential that God saw in us. We see that same potential. I don't want to hear one person in my church say one more time, the world's getting really bad. No, duh! like the dumbest thing in the world to say it is class statement number one that old people say you know how i know that because when i was six years old you know what old people said world's getting really bad right now in the 1950s you know what they said to the young people the world's getting really bad right now you're saying the same thing the world is really bad but we have jesus christ as our lord and savior he's the hope of the world take your eyes off of yourself put them on Jesus. You see, Jesus, you'll get more patient, more loving, more kind. Self-awareness. It's powerful. Would you stand to your feet? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Two things we're going to do. First thing, first thing, I, I just, I, what I feel like is I feel like there is a, there's a very real breakthrough that's going to happen in somebody's relationship today. Some of, somebody has a son in this place. And that relationship with your son has been strained. Maybe they're a teenager. Maybe they're even younger than that. And you forgot what it was like to be their age. You forgot. You never told them about your mistakes. You never told them about your struggles. All you ever do is correct. You never get down on their level and relate to them and walk with them through it and tell them, listen, I know you've fallen here, but you can get back up. Let me tell you how God's worked that out in my life. And some of you, like, you have a very real opportunity to have a breakthrough conversation with that son. I'm just telling you, I I just feel it. Like, there's a father and there's a son. There's a mother and son. I'm not sure who it is. And trust me, I'm not overly religious and I'm not trying to prophesy. I just feel, I feel it in my spirit that 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 conversation, that breakthrough moment is going to happen. Some of you, you're in a a business right now and you're running a business and your your team is, 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 is struggling and you don't know what to do. You don't understand that the culture of that business is a reflection of you right now. So as I talk about self-awareness, there's things in you right now. You need to go deep into your spiritual walk. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. Would you search our minds? Would you search our thoughts? Would you, would you search our hearts, Lord? Would you reveal and lead the way in everlasting? Some of you, it's just a step of humility. Listen, you, you are not that good. You're not that good. You can't do it on your own. There's nothing worse than a Christian who starts to believe their own hype. Jesus saves you. He cleans you up. You're like, I got it from here, God. And walk in your own knowledge, in your own strength. And here's what happens. Eventually you get to a point in life where you realize it's not by my power and it's not by my might, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. Some of you in this place, the very first step of of self-awareness is a a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the very first step. You become aware of who you are without him. The Bible says we're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. All of us. That means every person in this room is on a level playing field. We forget that. We've all sinned and we've all fall short of the glory of God. Paul goes on to tell us that the wages of our sin is death and hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For anyone who calls on him shall be saved. What do you do? You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. Jesus came and he died on a cross for my sins. He sacrificed his blood for the atonement of my debt. It's paid in full. The Bible says that he was placed in a tomb and on the third day he rose in power. He defeated both death and hell. It's through him we have eternal life, but not only eternal life. The promise of life and life to the full on this side of eternity. Self-awareness says, I can't do it on my own anymore. Relationships never work out. 
career doesn't fulfill me. Accomplishments don't sustain me. Titles don't make me feel better about myself. There is deep work in my history. There is deep work in my soul that I cannot overcome on my own. Jesus Christ, I give you my life. Here's the cool thing about it. You can be very young. You can be very old. You can have a little bit of mistakes or you can have a lot of mistakes. The grace of God is good enough for all of it. He'll meet you right here in this moment. Jesus Christ, I can't do life on my own anymore. Today I give you myself. Would you be my Lord and my Savior? With nobody looking around and every head bowed and every eye closed. Spirit of the living God, would you move right now? Would you have your way? The Bible says, did you knock at the door of our hearts? Would your presence be so real? Would your call be so evident that it is almost impossible for us to not realize right now you're here? If you're in this place, you don't know him, but you need to. Montgomeryville, Phoenixville, you're here. I don't know Jesus, but I need to. I want to lead you in a prayer. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. I think it's a line in the sand moment. I was without Christ before I got here, but when I leave this place, I'm starting a relationship with my creator. I'm putting my faith in his son, the finished work of the cross, and I'm never going back. Today I'm deciding to follow Jesus. I wanna pray with you as we close. If you don't know Christ, every head bowed and every eye closed, that's you. God's knocking, you're ready to answer, you're gonna let him into your life. I need Jesus Christ to come into my life. I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. Come on all over this house and in Montgomeryville, you would say that to me. Would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, that's me, Pastor. That's me, I see your hands over here. Is there anybody else? I see a hand right here, yes, 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 yes. All over this house, would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus Christ, today I'm done running. I've tried to do life on my own for all these years. And I admit that I'm a failure. Jesus, I need you. Today, I give you my heart. I give you my past. I give you my future. I believe in you. I know you died on a cross for my sins. And I believe on the third day that you rose in power. And because that's true, today I'm a different person. I'm gonna walk out of here in freedom, purpose, hope, and love. And Holy Spirit all over our houses right now. Lord, pray that you would just continue the word. That this church is not just hearers of the word. There's way too many hearers of the word. You hear truth, but the only way truth sets you free is from application. So Holy Spirit, would you help this message to sit and to bloom deep inside of our souls, Lord? Lord, would your word penetrate and would it change? And when we leave this place and quickly, where you're calling us to obedience, quickly, conversations, would we quickly have them? Thank you, Lord, in advance for all that you're going to continue to do. We love your word. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. It never gets old celebrating the grace and the mercy of the one true God. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. All over this house, would you shout amen? amen. Let's clap together. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.